Hey guys, welcome to The Church Split, and let's talk about a topic that is extremely important to me personally. Now first, before we hop into that, I wanted to just thank you for being here. We are a, a small channel. We're just getting started out. We finally got a new camera. We got a studio set up, and I'm really excited about it all. But I just want to thank you. Some of you guys have, I mean, we put up a video almost a year ago, and that's when we first started getting some subscribers. Thank you so much for just tuning in. We just found out last month alone we had like 6,000 minutes watched and like all sorts of people have come and has sent me messages just thanking me, which is crazy because I only have 200 subscribers. So it's weird that there's actually so much activity going on. But I just want to encourage you real quick, if you haven't already, go to our Instagram page, go to our Twitter, and go to our Facebook and like those or follow. Because on our Facebook especially, we post even devotionals, we post some spicy memes, which we're just, we're actually honestly just cracking jokes, please. If we attack your camp, we'll crack like some things that, you know, a reform joke. And we're going to actually crack some jokes at ourselves too. We don't, we don't, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So just know when we crack jokes, it's all to be lighthearted. It's never meant to be a complete like attack and I don't know, some people just get really rough with each other online and I don't ever want our page to be that. I want our page to be a place where we can have really serious discussions, but also let's not take ourselves too seriously. Remember, we're all friends and we're all in this together, right? So anyway... Uh, thank you for being part of that. And just go ahead, go to those. And just, I'm excited to be able to do this. I think this is an opportunity that not many people have to be able to, you know, talk to people about God and the Bible. And guys, I just want you to know, apologetics is very close to my heart. Understanding the Bible is close to my heart. Living the Christian life is very close to my heart. So these are things I take very seriously. And I think we we could see a, an increase in the church if we started doing this more. So uh, with all that aside, I want to. Have, jump into now my introduction to this particular topic. Today we're talking uh, about the what I call, well, not what I call, what has been called the SLED test. The SLED test is an acronym, S-L-E-D, and each one stands for a different topic. And this is regarding abortion. Now I know I already have two videos up for abortion, really one video, one of them, one of them I uploaded as I was just kind of trying to encourage churches to do uh, some activity, but one of them is a rebuttal to God is great. If you haven't seen it, I think it's one of our best work. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, but otherwise, stay tuned for this. Now, I, I'm not approaching the biblical side. I'm going to do a biblical video uh, eventually, but I feel like the biblical side is pretty clear cut on what this is. Uh, however, some Christians get that mixed up. But I want to just kind of equip you on how to handle some of these conversations, because when you talk to pro-choice people, they don't really understand sometimes what they're doing, that how they're mischaracterizing pro-lifers or how they're not showing consistency really in their argument across the board. So today I'm going to give you four basic things, and these are just basics, okay, and where you can go. And this is called the sled test. And this is how you can test whether or not someone is going that slippery slope riding the sled of despair. Okay. Now that we're done cringing. All right, size. So the S stands for size. And you've heard people all say like, how can something so small be human? Or you've heard people go, oh, it's just a clump of cells as if it's size is what determ determines its meaning. And it's not, it doesn't. No, at what point have we ever made size determine someone's value? You know, are you know, people, are midgets or little people as we call them in politically correct term. My wife is four foot 10, by the way. So I have a little people in my house. Okay. My wife is four foot 10 and 
People are tiny. Just because they're tiny doesn't necessarily mean they're less valuable. Is a toddler more valuable than a newborn? And is a toddler less valuable than a high schooler? At what point do we say attribute someone's size to finally going, okay, you are big enough to be called human. You're a big boy. Instead of going, you're a big boy, you're going, you're a human boy now. We didn't consider you human before. Even though at the moment of conception, its own DNA is born. You know, we're see, we see its own blood type. In a couple of weeks, it's going to have its own hands, its own feet, its own genitalia even. Like, it's just crazy the fact that we take something and we go, oh, well, because of its size, it's suddenly unimportant. And it's not human or in, it's less valuable or its right to life is less valuable. It's just mind-numbing. And so here's the thing. Could you imagine, like, okay, well, for example, yeah, I have it right here. Um, so it obviously uh, a toddler is more developed than a baby and a high schooler is more developed than a toddler. But the line becomes very arbitrary. And the only reason you'd feel morally wrong about killing, say, a toddler or a newborn is because you're actually making eye contact and I've already made a connection with a child. So now that you see the child, you go, ooh, we can't do that. But take that child at, at a, the same survivability, at a, you know, that's still small, and, and put it inside the mother, and suddenly we call it a clump of cells. So in, in short, any other objection to this makes the line of size an arbitrary one. So if you go, well, uh, you know, it's more developed at this point or it's bigger at this point. Well, bigger doesn't necessarily mean it's a life or any more or less of a life in any way, shape, or form. This is sim simply a superficial and arbitrary line that people draw that just because it's a clump of cells suddenly means it's less human. And the next part is L, which is level of development. And this one here is probably the one that I hear the most when I talk to pro-choicers. This is the idea that the unborn, it can't feel pain, right? It can't breathe on its own, and it doesn't even know it's alive, let alone that it's even human. And of course, this is simply, this is silly, because level of development should never, ever, ever determine someone's value, should never, ever determine someone's meaning. And this, and their, their own humanity, think about it. Is our humanity dictated by our abilities? Well, then level of development means nothing. Our level of, you know, our humanity is not dictated by our abilities or our sensory input. So being able to feel pain or not be able to feel pain does not necessarily mean that it's less human. This is silly. And what about our level of consciousness? Well, there's a lot of people who are who fall unconscious, and there's other people who are a lot less conscious than others due to various mental developments. So at what point do we draw the line of saying, yep, this one's human, or, or nope, this one's definitely not, that one's, that one's not quite enough up here yet, so we're not going to consider it human. That is as horrible, and there's also, that's arbitrary. It is it's something that we're creating our own fake line on that we can't actually determined with either science or philosophy on where that line would be. So, plus, when you think about it, there are severely disabled people. There are severely disabled people in this world who aren't very conscious, right? I've, how many times have you seen somebody at a, special, at a special care facility who is barely even remotely self-aware? Does that make, mean that they're less human? They still feel pain too, maybe. Or, or what about there's some people who don't even have like their their nerves actually they're born without the ability to feel pain. So does that mean that they that it's okay to like you know stab them just because they can't feel it? 
it, it becomes silly. Are they less human because of that? Are they less valuable? No. So size, obviously, someone's size, and I think size is easy. Most people understand the fact that size doesn't dictate someone's life or their value, but people oftentimes use the level of development. Level of development is not a good choice either because, again, what about this? The unborn are, are less developed. True. Yes, they are. But they are also less developed than full-term full babies, right? So what, okay, so what you're saying is at the level that because it's in the first trimester, it's not as developed as in the third trimester. So it's okay to maybe kill it in the first trimester. Some of you may be the second, but once it has the third, nope, the development is different. But the thing is, is that even a newborn is less developed than a toddler. And a toddler is less developed than a prepubescent. And a prepubescent is less developed than someone who is post-pubescent. So this is simply silly. All, all stages of life have different levels of development. And your life and your value is not dictated by that level. And to sit there and suggest such a thing is not just arbitrary, but actually does violence to the value of humanity. We just create it, see it, say it, that your value is just simply attributed to your development. And the thing is, is and during this course of development, nothing has changed scientifically. It still has the same DNA. It still has the same blood tape. It still has all the same things it had at the level of conception, just at a different development level. So the development does. I mean, so the level of development does not hold up to any kind of scrutiny. And on top of that, the level of development. Think about it. A, a unborn baby at eight weeks is developed exactly where it should be at eight weeks. You know, a three-year-old is developed just as much as it's supposed to be at three years old. So again, it's arbitrary. So that's S. Uh, so we have size, we have level of development. Now we have E, which is environment. So we've all heard that something like, it doesn't even breathe air yet. It hasn't even breathed. It's not in the real world. But the thing is, is that its existence in the womb proves that it is actually in the world. So the, well, the womb is part of the world. We're all in the world. So to sit there and say that it's not part of the real world yet is actually completely factually and emphatically untrue. It is part of the world. It's just not living outside of the womb yet. And again, it is developed exactly the way it should. Also, so you, just because you can't see it, you can't cuddle it, you can't laugh with it, you can't play with it, does not mean it's not human. It's simply at a, in a different environment. And I really love that, well, uh, it's, it's human when it takes its first breath. That's when it's human. But here's the thing. There's still an exchange of oxygen going on inside the womb, right? At the moment of conception. Otherwise, it can't grow without it. But the mother just serves as the respiratory system for the baby. So from that moment of conception, this is happening. How is an infant's respiratory system dependability, make it less human, by the way, just because its respiratory system is dependent on the mother does not make it less human. What about people who are on life support? What about people who do depend on something external to keep them alive, to be their respiratory system? Does this diminish their value? Oddly enough, you wouldn't be able to survive underwater, would you, right? Unless you have gills, and I don't think any of you have gills, all right? No Aquaman here. But although the born is, unborn is breathing, you know, amniotic fluid, essentially, breathing in it through all that, 
we wouldn't be able to survive in that environment because we're not connected to an umbilical cord or anything like that, right? So what? Now, now the question is, is, okay, which one do you consider to be value? Breathing through your own lungs or breathing through the mother? It's silly. It's, 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 it's completely disingenuous, and it's, and it's actually not factual either. So then the other one is how does one's location, their environment, their location dictate their humanity, right? Especially when the child is developed at the perfect level of someone its age. I can't stress that enough. You know, we, we sit there and treat it like somehow it's, it's abstract from what it, from all other children, but it's, it's at the same level as supposed to be. But how does one's lo location dictate their humanity? A child Here's the thing. So Brian, who is the one who edits these videos, he's in that rebuttal video, The God is Gray. We're going to do another one for the Rhett and Link rec uh, that recently happened. We're going to do a video here on that soon. Just make sure we get all our ducks in a row for it. But his son was born at 25 weeks, which is a legal abortion age. And his son just recently turned nine years old. And what's crazy about that, so at, it aborted, a child can be aborted at 25 weeks, and we call it a clump of cells when it's inside the body. But if it's born premature and survives, we call it a miracle baby. You see how arbitrary that is? What's changed? Only its environment. You only moved it from inside the womb to outside the womb. It is the exact same thing. There is no difference. But yet we sit there and we dehumanize it because it's inside the womb, merely because we have not laid eyes on it. Even though we have videos of babies moving away from abortion instruments and all sorts of stuff, nope, we still, people still are pushing this agenda. And I think the world is, as some people are willfully this way. I've talked to some people who are just, you can just tell they celebrate their abortion and they love it. Um, and they basically enjoy the violence of it. But, and before you say that I'm making that up, I'm not. There are people who are insane about this. But I believe there's other people who are, um, they just haven't thought through this. They haven't thought about what you're suggesting when you say the development of the baby or what you're saying when you're saying, you know, uh, well, it's, you know, still inside the mother. So it's part of her body or, you know, they say my body, my choice, which by the way, scientifically, it is not your body. Your body doesn't have two separate types of DNA, two separate blood types. It can't have, you know, two different brains and 20 fingers, all that. Like it can't have these or two sets of, genitalia like that doesn't make sense now of course someone can say well yeah well in these cases yeah okay we don't use mutation as a case to like go okay now it's okay for everyone else it just doesn't work so and here's the thing also if you're just saying that it's the environment in the womb let me tell you something the the birth canal the vaginal vaginal canal does not magically gift personhood it doesn't like that. That's it's so silly. Like it just because it goes through the birth canal or a C-sectioned out. Now it's considered a human. How does that make any sense? One's environment does not make them human, more human or less human. I mean, seriously, the, when you think about it, the birth canal is merely a seven inch journey where nothing has changed. Like think about that for a second. Nothing has changed. The child's health has not changed at all in that seven is journey. The only thing that has changed is simply its environment. And also the fact that you now have to behold it with your own eyes. And therefore it's a lot harder to dehumanize something when you see it crying, moving, and doing all the things that a baby is supposed to do. So once you put people see it with their own eyes, they realize, oh, that's a human. So again, it's arbitrary.
And finally, I'm just going to leave you with uh, D, so S-L-E-D, SLED. We have degree of dependency. This is another one of my favorite ones that we hear a lot. The un we hear things like, the, the unborn can't survive without the mother. It isn't viable. It's dependent on her. Therefore, I have no obligation if I don't want it, right? We hear this all the time. Hey, if it's dependent on me and I don't want it there, then I shouldn't be obligated to take care of it, right? Of, uh, and to grow it and to do all that. We hear it all the time. It can't survive without the mother, so therefore it's the mother's choice. But here's the thing. Have you ever really stopped to think about how, how silly that argument is too? So because the unborn can't survive without its mother, it's not human, or it's less human, or its rights don't matter. But what about a newborn? Have you ever held a newborn? What about a, <laughs> when you hold a newborn, guess what? It's pretty dependent on you, isn't it? It needs you. It, it can't live without being taken care of. What about a toddler? Toddlers, I swear, toddlers would, if we, if parents just like completely stepped out a, a, a toddler would have itself dead in 48 hours. I, I've seen my nephews, okay? They are crazy. They don't think about the, the weight of an object, the height of the fall. They don't think about these things. A toddler is also dependent on the mother. That does not make it less human. A, a young child even is, is dependent on the mother. Children would pretty much, all children would die. All children would die if it wasn't for somebody taking care of them. All children are dependent on someone. So just because it is dependent on, on the mother inside the womb doesn't make it less human because it's going to still be dependent on the mother outside the womb. So it's silly. A child, think about it, a child couldn't buckle themselves up in a car, right? So a child, let's say a child can't buckle itself up. Think about what you're suggesting. So the child can't buckle itself up and you go, well, it's dependent on me, and I have no obligation to that. I shouldn't have to take care of it. So you refuse to help buckle it in. And you refuse because, again, it's dependent on you, and you don't have to. But then you get in an accident, and the child dies. Would that not be immoral just because you refuse to buckle it in? A better example is drowning. If a child was drowning and you refused to save him because he was dependent on you, is that not immoral? Well, of course it is. No one's saying it's not. Of course, I mean, most people go, well, duh. Like, and they can just see it so clearly. So why do we change the rules just because of its location or its level of development? It doesn't make sense. Right here, this idea of the degree of dependency falls, falls apart under its own weight. Because at what point, at what point is it developed enough? How does depending on another person make you less human? Honest question. How does depending on another person, on another human, make you less human or less valuable? Newsflash, we've all been dependent on somebody. We've all been dependent. And if you go, no, I have, no, I was never dependent. I've always been independent. Really? Who took care of you when you were a baby? How did you survive this long? Because you couldn't feed yourself, right? So anyway, and then this is also when you hear this, hear comparisons like the violinist argument, and this is the argument in short, and I can and it's pretty easy to debunk. The idea is this: if you went to let's say a party, okay, you went to a party, and you got drugged, you woke up the next day, and your this violinist 
was attached to your back. Now, I don't know why it's a violinist. I'm personally a violinist, so maybe I'm the one strapped to your back. This doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I don't know. I want to know why it's a violinist. But anyway, they always say it's a violinist. So if, you're stra- if this violinist is tied to you or connected to you, and you were told, hey, you have to stay alive and you have to keep this person alive. And if we detach you from this, he will die. So we need you to stay connected. So therefore, then they make this whole argument of, see, well, because you didn't choose that violinist to be a part of you, you should, you can't sit there and be held hostage until this person is able to survive on its own without you. It's immoral and it's wrong. And I will say this, um, no, it's actually quite the opposite. If you woke up in this really bizarre scenario where... (laughs) A violinist was attached to you and it needed you to survive. And if they detached you, it would die. And that's what they're saying, basically. Like, well, no, what we're doing in an abortion is we're just removing something that was connected to us. And, uh, you know, that, that we didn't choose to have there and all this. Okay, besides the statistics that I could get into there that, you know, less than 2% of abortions are due to rape. Uh, guess what? No, you let's say this party. Because you're setting this whole thing up wrong. It's a false frame, and that's really what it is. When you're looking at an argument, some people frame arguments in a certain way that instantly makes them win, but it's a false frame. So here's the thing. It's not that you just went to a random party and woke up and this thing was attached to you. Let's say, in the real scenario, if there is a party, and if you go to this party, you, you hear that when people go to this party, a lot of them walk out with a violinist attached to them. But you choose to go to this to this party anyway, okay? That's what we're talking about because sex, you everyone knows that you go have sex. There's a strong likelihood that a lot of people who have sex end up walking out pregnant. So if you're going to this party and you're going, okay, I'm pretty sure that I could possibly get pregnant here. Even if someone forcefully dragged you to that party, waking up the next day with this random violinist attached to you who needs you to survive is not the violinist's fault, is it? It's not his fault that he's dependent on you, and it's not his fault he was attached to you. So even in a rape scenario, that this actually kind of clarifies the pro-life position, honestly, because if I went to this, I was forced to go, and I woke up, and I was attached to this, and I heard, and then here comes the thing. They always make it out like it's a permanent deal, but here's the thing. What if that violinist you knew only needed to be attached to you for nine months, and he could live a full and perfect, beautiful life? Would it be immoral to kill him? Yes. Yes, it would be. Would it suck that it was you maybe, perhaps? Maybe you didn't want to. Maybe you were forced to go to that party and a violinist was attached to you. But to kill the, the innocent man who had no, no part of you being dragged to that party? It's pretty immoral. And especially if you knew that after, you know, nine months, it would, he would be detached from you and you'd be able to, you know, move on your merry way. So in conclusion, the pro-choice argument simply doesn't stand up to the sled argument. The sled argument is devastating to the pro-choice, uh, pro-choice position because every argument they bring up against you only is able to be usually debunked with one of these four. That's why I'm bringing this video up. There's a lot of other directions you can go, but really these four are all you need to stick with. The argument stands. The sled argument stands. Rape doesn't change whether or not it's a human or that these criteria the rape doesn't change that whether or not it's a human because these criteria still apply. One's poverty level doesn't change these truths about what, how we define human life. Whether someone wants to adopt the baby or doesn't deter, 
doesn't deter these arguments or these values either. This argument exposes the abortion argument for what it truly is. It's unjust discrimination in the name of convenience. Just like, you know, people de like Nazis dehumanize the Jews. Just like in, you know, old America, would they dehumanize Africans or they dehumanize the Irish or even the poor? It is just as bad as that. You're dehumanizing something based on, you know, its size, its level of development, its um, environment, or its dependency. I, those things, it, it just doesn't work. Every time this has ever happened in history, every time we have ever dehumanized something, it has always ended in misery and always has uh, nothing but leaving gravestones in its way. We just see millions die. And at this point, we're seeing upwards of eight to 900,000 abortions roughly a year when you look at the CDC studies. So the question is, if you are still pro-choice, I would encourage you to look at this graph and you tell me which week is considered human and at what point are you okay with aborting it and why? Is it because of its size? Is it because of its level of development? Is it because of its environment? Is it because of its dependency on you? Why? And if it, you say, nope, it's not because of any of those things, then you are simply making a convenience argument. And you at least should be upfront about that. Now, what would happen if we applied that small standard of which week that you chose, for whatever reason, week eight, week 12, you know, week 25, whatever, whatever week it is, what would happen if we took whatever standard that was and applied it across the board? Like, oh, it has a heartbeat at this point. Okay, so are you saying that something without a heartbeat isn't human or that needing, and by the way, there are small heartbeats at like, what, week six? Are you saying that suddenly without the heart uh, assistance to beat is no longer human? So no people with defibrillators can't live or can be considered human? Oh, is it because of its brain? So are you honestly willing to walk into a place where someone has serious brain damage to say they're no longer human? Simply put, the pro-choice argument doesn't work. It doesn't work. This is why the pro-life position is the most consistent position. We say all life is precious at the moment of conception. It places the value of human life as something inherent that you simply inherit just because you are human. And this is put upon your, and this very thing happens at your, the moment you are conceived. That way you might live and have an opportunity to live a full life. Even if you were born in a horrible environment, some people are born in terrible environments. My family, we grew up doing foster care. I'm very familiar with horrible environments from all these kids and everything. I know what it's like. But the thing is, is that my brother who was adopted, both of them, but when I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't have wanted to be aborted, even though he went through some horrible things, because now he's married, has two beautiful children of his own, four stepkids, and you know what? I'm pretty sure my brother would not want his humanity dictated simply by his level of development or a horrible environment that he's in or that he's being born in. None of this makes sense. 
And this is why the pro-choice argument ultimately fails and which is why you should not be pro-choice and why you should never vote for anything that is pro-choice and why you should never support any figure who is okay with murdering babies. And that's what this is. This is nothing else but murdering children in the place that they should be the safest, which is their mother's womb. So anyway, I hope this video was helpful for you. Uh, if you haven't already, I would recommend finding a, a, you know, a crisis pregnancy center or a right to life center near you. Get involved in this. Try to be, try to be a voice. And if nothing else, a financial support. Uh, just do something that you can to help these people. And you know, if you're if someone who is considering abortion, please reach out. Reach out to me or to Brian. Reach out to us even here. We'll do what we can to help you. Do not, do not for the sake of convenience, murder the child. And I, I know mothers, uh, and if you have had an abortion, just know this. I don't hate you. And uh, I don't think may, any Christians really would hate you. Maybe some, some weird fringe groups. But know this. We love you. We love your child. And honestly, we believe everyone is made in the image of God including you, even if you made the mistake. So let me just tell you, we love you. We're praying for you. We're praying for our nation on this. And let's be a voice for those who without a voice. Let's stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Let's stand up for the unborn. And that means understanding the arguments. And that means understanding where it's coming from. And I hope the sled test was able to help you. So anyway, with that being said, uh, do all the things, if, like, comment, whatever you want to do. Uh, share this video along if you like it. If not, that's fine. And this has been The Church Split.